Chapter 36, Exodus Nix squeaked out a cry of surprise. Tiago and Jordan left their posts at the door and approached cautiously. No one seemed to know how to react to Sarah assaulting the nurse who had helped save Nix's life. The strangest thing was that Brian didn't seem angry, or even surprised, at having his anatomy mistreated. You've got thirty seconds to explain yourself, Sarah said, before I call my dad and have him sue your pants off. Tiago made a face. Nix couldn't tell if it was general confusion or Sarah's unfortunate choice of idioms. The bearded doctor strode in, apparently oblivious to the tension and the injured nurse. He took Nix's vitals for the umpteenth time, asked a lot of useless questions about health history, then disappeared. The four teens watched Brian. Nix was about to apologize for Sarah when a thought struck her. It came out of nowhere. Fawn. Fawn? Fawn had nothing to do with the situation. Nix had already dismissed it as a random, errant thought when Brian spoke. Fawn put me up to it. Everyone, including Sarah, seemed completely thrown by this statement. Wait, what? Jordan said. Brian sat down, grimacing slightly with pain. Fawn said she wanted to play a prank on some girl who broke her necklace. It was an accident, Sarah said. After she tackled me and tried to scratch my face off. Fawn knew I had hospital keys, Brian said. She asked me to guide you onto the roof. Jordan scoffed. So you just did it? What was all that crap about glowing stones? Brian shook his head slowly. I guess Fawn heard a rumor that Quincy had a glowing stone. She was trying to scare Sarah away from some guy. That makes no sense, Nick said, annoyed at her distance from the conversation. How is pretending to be Quincy and talking about rocks going to scare Sarah away from Tiago? Tiago? Brian asked. Tiago raised his hand. Fawn and I are, he glanced at Sarah, were dating. Brian squinted at Tiago as if trying to see what Fawn saw in the boy. Nix was offended on Tiago's behalf. So you lured her to the hospital roof, Nix said. Did you pay some guy to threaten her too? I thought Fawn would be up there to scare you or something, Brian said to Sarah. I had no idea she was going to send one of her out-of-town friends. Sarah folded her arms. Out-of-town friends? A pair of nurses bustled in, admonished Nix to lay down, and after a few more mundane tasks, left. Nix immediately disentangled herself from the monitors and moved to the end of the bed. So you know who Pillowhead is? she asked. Brian wrinkled an eyebrow. The guy wearing a pillowcase mask? Jordan clarified. He killed Sarah's dog and stole her diary. Apparently the dog thing was an accident, Brian said. I heard Fawn talking about it last week. One of her friends was visiting the weekend before school started. He wasn't interested in a pool party with a bunch of underclassmen, but I guess he thought breaking and entering sounded fun. Nix tried to concentrate on what Brian was saying, but the whole thing felt too much like a Scooby-Doo episode where the kids pull off the mask and the bad guy explains his unlikely motivation and methods. What's this guy's name? Tiago asked. He needs to be arrested. I don't know him personally, Brian said. Never met him. Jordan narrowed his eyes. So to clarify, Fawn sent her delinquent friend to harass Sarah for some unknown reason, and you decided to help out why? Seriously, Sarah said. You pretended to be Quincy, too. I recognized your voice. Why are you even helping her? 
You should be reporting her to the police. Abruptly, it came to Nix. You're her friend who was in all the Haniasant High plays. Nix could practically see the guilt seeping into Brian's face. She's actually my stepsister, he said. I have no idea why she tells everyone I'm her friend. A stunned silence followed this revelation. Eventually, Jordan spoke. Step relationships come with a lot of baggage. If Fawn didn't want everyone to know her parents had divorced... She never knew her biological father, Brian said. And between you and me, being her stepbrother hasn't been easy. My dad is always getting on me for not being buddy-buddy with her. I don't care if it was an accident, Sarah said. The guy robbed me and killed my dog. He broke the law. And his little stunt tonight was ridiculously dangerous, Nick said. We have to call the police. You can't, Brian said. At least I hope you won't. If you tell, Fawn will know I betrayed her. And while I could live with her tantrum, it would be harder on my parents. Your parents? Sarah asked. There's a reason my stepmom has a lot in common with her daughter. My dad has been trying his hardest, but their marriage is hanging by a thread. If she's like Fawn, isn't that a good thing? Nix winced. That had come out a lot crueler than she intended. Brian looked close to tears. Sarah gave Nix a disbelieving look. All of a sudden, Brian was the victim, and Nix the insensitive brute. My dad loves Tess more than anything, even with her flaws. And I'm pretty sure she loves him back, but there's still one thing she loves more. Fawn, Nick said softly, still feeling like a jerk. If Fawn turns on me, her mother will take her side. I'm afraid it would be the end of my parents' marriage. I don't want to screw up your family, Sarah said. But Fawn has been terrorizing mine. Is she just going to get away with it? Brian's eyes glittered. I didn't say that. Loud voices sounded in the hall. Mr. Hainsworth and four state troopers strode into the room and everything dissolved into chaos. In the confusion, Nix hopped out of bed and slipped from the room. She was not going to spend the night in the hospital. Maybe once she made it outside, she could send someone in to collect her friends. Brian caught the elevator door before it closed. Escaping? Please don't tell the doctors. Listen, Brian said. I can't really get to Sarah with her dad in there, but I wanted to make sure you guys weren't going to say anything to Fawn. Or about Fawn. Nix pushed the button for the lobby. To protect your parents' marriage? Don't you think that's a little unfair to Sarah? I've thought of a way to make Sarah feel better. I'll help her get even with Fawn, but in a way that won't cause family tension. Get even how? Brian grinned. It's awesome, but you have to make the others swear to keep my secret. I can ask them. I think it will depend on how awesome your plan really is. Talk louder, Leo said with one hand on the steering wheel. Nick sat rigid in the back seat between Tiago and Jordan trying not to look out the windows. Leo was pushing 90 to get her home on time. Well, not on time, but not so late that Mrs. Wack would involve the police. The funny thing was, the doctors had tried to call, but Mrs. Wack hated answering the phone. Unless she was expecting a call, she assumed it would be a telemarketer. After all, who would call Mrs. Wack just to chat? Well, Jordan said. Nix nodded. Brian said, uh... Forget about the oncoming traffic, Jordan said. This will be the only time we get to talk before school tomorrow. We need to know the plan. Nix looked directly at her best friend, but the pillars of the bridge whizzing in her periphery seemed to grow closer, as if the next one might slam into them. A pair of warm hands touched her cheeks and gently turned her head. 
Suddenly she was staring into large brown eyes, and the car felt as if it were floating along a slow-moving river. Nix, you're okay, Tiago said, his breath on her face. We're not going to let anything happen to you. A powerful feeling of warmth and safety enveloped her, like a large tan blanket. She'd spent so much of her life looking out for those who needed protection, she'd never realized how good it felt to have someone looking out for her. Do you believe me? Tiago asked, his hand still cradling her face. By this point, she could have been in a space shuttle going to the moon and wouldn't have known the difference. Nix managed a small nod. Now, can you tell us what Brian said? Nix forced her mouth to open. What happened tonight was only the first part of Fawn's campaign against Sarah. She's planning to... Nix made the mistake of glancing out the window. You've got three minutes, Leo said. Better speed it up. Leandro, Tiago said. It won't make much difference if she's two more minutes late. Can you slow down slightly so Nix can talk? Leo sighed and took his foot off the gas. Tiago slightly loosened his grip on her face. Unacceptable. Nix swallowed. Fawn is planning to sneak into Sarah's room and scare her so bad she'll leave Woods Cross and go live with her mom in Midland. Scare her how? Jordan asked. She's going to write a threatening message in fake blood and cut off Sarah's hair while she sleeps. She wouldn't do that, Tiago said. Did Brian say when? Jordan asked. Tomorrow night. Tiago dropped his hands from her face. In a way, it was a relief because Nix no longer had to keep perfectly still and stress about messing it up somehow. Anyway, he had kissed her less than an hour ago. That thought alone guaranteed her enough happiness to last through her teens. If she wrote about it in a journal, it might even comfort her in her early twenties. Hopefully she'd forget about it by the time she entered a permanent relationship. No man would be able to compete with, but Mr. Hainsworth will be there, Tiago said. Maybe she'll cut his hair too, Jordan said. Nix shrugged. Brian seemed to know what he was talking about. Should we tell my dad? Jordan asked. If Fawn tries to- No, Nick said. We're supposed to be ready for her. Jordan tapped his braces with a fingernail. Ready for her? What are we gonna do, dump boiling water from a second-story window? We'll end up in juvie. We're gonna scare her, Nick said. Brian gave me a whole list of things that freak her out. Bugs, reptiles, basically anything crawly or slimy. You're gonna throw ants at her from the bushes or what? Leo said. We're nearly to the trailer park, and I want to hear a decent plan. I must say, Jordan said with the tip of his imaginary hat, Central Midland to Woods Cross in nine minutes has got to be some kind of record. You must have been going way over ninety. Let's just say it's a good thing all the cops are at the hospital, Leo said. I think we can do better than spiders and snakes, Nick said. I don't like this, Tiago said. Leo glared at Tiago in the rearview mirror. Santi, you've got to stop defending her. She's not a nice person. Maybe our little prank will help her to grow up. And I've got a great idea. Leo assured them he'd have a fully functional plan by the morning, and Tiago could tell them about it at school. It wasn't until Nick stepped out of the car into her front yard that she remembered something else Brian said. You want to know how Brian got that black eye? The three boys looked like puppies waiting for a ball to be thrown. Nick stuck her head through the window and spoke quietly for dramatic effect. We're not supposed to tell anyone, especially Ms. Winkle. Apparently she knew all along who the boys were that attacked her. What? Jordan said. And she didn't tell the police? No, but she did let it slip to Brian. He went and found them. 
paid them back with a few cracked ribs of their own. I knew I liked that guy, Tiago said. So who were they? Jordan asked. Brian wouldn't tell me right out, said I had to guess. Did you guess right? Leo asked. Nix nodded and grinned. There were only two of them, one small and wiry, the other freakishly large for a high school student. Loaf and Danny, Jordan said. No wonder Ms. Winkle didn't turn them in, Tiago said. They're her own students. She's probably still trying to save their souls. That makes zero sense, Jordan said. Any rational person would tell the police. I really don't think Loaf could have attacked Ms. Winkle and done that all on his own. Apparently he did, Nick said. But now that Jordan mentioned it, Brian's story did seem a bit convenient. The tiny white car backed onto the street and Nix gingerly made her way up the front steps of her trailer. Her legs still felt a little weak from her multiple suicides. Hopefully she could make it to a chair before her mother set into her for coming in late. But when Nix opened the door, the only thing that assaulted her was the pungent smell of wet paint. It looked as though her mother had broken down and done the painting herself. Several light blue cats pranced around, but there was no sign of Mrs. Wack. Maybe Nix could slip into her room and pretend she'd been there the whole time. It wasn't until she heard the shower running that she remembered. The shampoo. Nix raced down the hall and found her mother's bedroom door locked. Who did the woman think was going to sneak up on her in the shower? Nix banged on the door. Mom, can you hear me? Whatever you do, don't wash your... That's when the screams began. Mom, are you okay? Open the door! After nearly five minutes, the screams turned into sobs, and then back into screams again. Nix went into the kitchen, picked up the phone, and brought it back to her bedroom. The guilt was drowning her. Had she badly injured her mother? She dialed a nine and a one, but hesitated. Maybe it would be better to call Sergeant Frost himself, keep the incident off the books. Nix called the Frost's home number. Just as Jordan picked up, a crash sounded from the living room. Listen, Nick said. I might need your dad over here, but don't say anything to him until I call back. You okay? Jordan asked. I'm fine. It's my mom. I did something horrible. She hung up before Jordan could hear the series of angry cat yells echoing down the hall. Mom, what's going on? She called. When she didn't get an answer, Nix rushed down the hallway and peeked around the corner. Mrs. Wack stood in the center of the trailer in a bathrobe, a towel wrapped tightly around her head. She held the mop like a sword and waved it all directions, trying to herd the cats toward the open back door. At first, only a few of the smarter cats slipped out into the night, but as Mrs. Wack's lunges became more erratic, the frightened animals escaped in large groups. Nix felt as she had at the cabin fire, unable to tear her gaze from the destruction. She realized now that she'd never seriously expected the shampoo thing to work. After every single cat had been driven out from under beds and behind couches, Mrs. Wack filled a spray bottle with bleach and misted the entire house. She didn't seem to notice when the carpet and sofa changed colors. Finally, she slammed the back door shut and sat down in her bleach-filled easy chair, her face a delicate shade of plum. Despite Nix's crippling guilt, she couldn't deny how wonderfully surreal it felt to watch the cats escape to freedom. Nix wanted to leave her mother to calm down, but figured it would seem suspicious if she didn't appear curious. Mom, will you please tell me what's going on? Her mother looked at her, and then back down at the now multicolored carpet. Finally, she spoke. I decided I don't like cats anymore. If her mother hadn't looked so pathetic and broken, 
Nix might have found some humor in the situation. Instead, the relief at finally earning the cat's freedom was tainted by a vague sense of loss, as if the victory had come at too high a price. Was it because Nix had lost her own cat in the process? Or maybe she was finally beginning to realize just what her mother was going through, how much it hurt to lose something you love. Nix shook her head. She was taking this too seriously. What she had done was for the good of the cats as much as anybody. They would either find their old owners or new ones, owners that didn't abuse them. Her mother would get over her catastrophic loss, and everyone would be better for it. Maybe even Toad would be happier out of this smelly trailer. Mrs. Wack went to bed early without commentary. Nix discovered that her guilt outweighed her exhaustion, and she stayed up scraping off bits of errant paint and sweeping the kitchen. Nix was emptying the dustpan into the garbage when the phone rang, causing Nix to dump a cloud of dirt, bugs, and cat hair back onto the floor. I'm sorry I forgot to call you, Nix whispered. She carried the phone into her room and silently closed the door. What happened? Jordan asked. Since there was only one phone, there was no chance of her mother overhearing. She told him everything. It turned out she hadn't need worry about Jordan being appalled by her behavior. The more he laughed, the more Nix's guilt grew. She had to threaten to hang up before he finally calmed down. So you finally freed the blessed felines, Jordan said. Now are you going to tell your mom you were fired? Eventually, Nix said, after this whole fiasco blows over. By the way, nice job tonight at the hospital. Even if you did ham it up a little with the dead thing. Nick smiled. Nice job yourself. Thanks for keeping my secret. Like anyone would believe me, Jordan said. And did you see the look Mr. Hainsworth gave Tiago? He's such a jerk. At least Tiago was there to help. Scrooge McHainsworth was at the Haniasant with the police, Jordan said. Apparently someone called and said Sarah was on the bridge. Brian told him that? Why? Maybe to get him out of the way? I almost told my dad everything, but I wanted to wait and see how tomorrow night went. Then we can decide whether to throw the dude under the bus. Yeah. Nix knew she and Jordan had a lot more to discuss, like him electrocuting her, but she was still traumatized by shame and couldn't concentrate. I guess we'll talk tomorrow, she said. Was Tiago being weird or what? Nix's heart hiccuped. Maybe she could talk for a couple minutes more. What do you mean? He seemed, I don't know, all over you. You know his obsession with injured animals? He saved my life, so... He thinks he saved your life. Yeah, well... Nix missed the leg of her pajama bottoms and nearly fell over. I guess I'm kind of like his pet now? Somehow I don't think he stares into his crippled cat's eyes like he did yours. Nix felt another rush of excitement. Jordan had noticed, too. It wasn't her imagination. What if Tiago really was interested in her now? Despite, well, everything. Hey, what happened to Princess Toadstool? Your mom didn't get rid of him, too, did she? Nick stopped struggling with the pajamas. Toad is gone. The reality of it finally sunk in, and tears welled up in her eyes. Nick hastily bid Jordan goodnight and set the phone on her dresser. Then before climbing under the covers to cry into her pillow, she bunched her pajamas into a ball and placed them at the foot of the bed. Nix awoke with a renewed sense of purpose. Getting rid of the cats had taken sacrifices, but now there were more important things to worry about, like
like intercepting Fawn before she caused any more damage and making sure she never bothered Sarah again. Nix dressed quickly and started on her chores. It was strange to walk around the trailer without tripping over cats. She was nearly done scooping the kitty litter when she realized there was no point. She gathered up the litter boxes, along with the food dishes, and carried them out to the dumpster. Hopefully that would discourage any future attempts at cat collecting. She emptied the kitty chow in the thicket where she'd left the drugged cats earlier. Nix returned to find her mother sitting at the table, mug in hand, with a bright green scarf wrapped tightly around her head. If she noticed the missing litter boxes, she didn't say anything. With no cats to feed, groom, or clean up after, Nix finished her morning chores in record time. She tried to look forlorn and sullen whenever her mother was watching, but it was difficult to hide how giddy the empty trailer made her. After catching herself whistling a few times, Nix decided to leave early for school. It wouldn't do to arouse suspicions. She strode out the front door, saw Tiago standing in her yard, and promptly fell down the steps. Tiago helped her up and inquired after her general health. The heat in Nix's face made it feel like the middle of July. I'm good, Nix said. My dad and I can come fix those front steps. Nix blinked. You don't have to. She realized it wasn't in her best interest to finish that sentence. I mean, thank you. That would be really nice. It would also be nice if she could walk down three steps without landing on her face. Ready? For what? Was this going to be their first kiss? Well, second, technically. Tiago wrinkled an eyebrow. To go to school. My dad dropped me off so I could walk with you. Nix attempted with her entire being not to react, but she was pretty sure her excessive joy could be seen from space. Cool. As in the most amazing thing to ever happen to a 15-year-old girl with a crush. They walked in silence for a few minutes. No matter how hard Nix tried, she could not walk normally. What did she usually do with her hands? Did she really waddle like that? Tiago seemed ill at ease, as if he were working up the courage to say something. Nix wanted to grab him by the face and ask what it was. She cleared her throat. Ahem. So you decided your shoes were too clean and you'd like to coat them with mud? Tiago didn't get the joke, and Nix couldn't bring herself to explain it. At least she was no longer having trouble walking. Now she was only concentrating on taking in oxygen. I wanted to talk to you, Tiago said. Nix didn't respond. At this point, anything she said or did was sure to be the wrong thing. She was a drunk clown on stilts. I know you think I saved you, Nix stopped breathing. But technically it wasn't me. What was going on? Had he spoken with Jordan? Nix was going to strangle that boy. God did. Nix stopped walking. Sorry, what? I was praying harder than I'd ever prayed in my whole life, Tiago said, and I heard a voice. Nix had no idea what her face looked like, but at this point she had no control of it. Tiago's revelation was the strangest, creepiest, most wonderful thing anyone had ever said to her. You prayed for me to wake up? To come back to life. You were literally dead. Tiago blinked and two tears fell. What in the world was happening? Nix's heart could not take this kind of a workout this early in the morning. What did the voice say? His eyes took on a glassy quality, and his chin trembled slightly. Well, not a voice voice, but like, I heard it in my head. It said she's okay, it won't be long. Oh. 
Was it possible Tiago had heard Nix's message to Jordan? She was trying to remember exactly what she had said before putting her hand through Jordan's shoulder. Maybe Tiago was naturally more in tune with the spiritual vibrations or whatever. Well, Nix said, it also might have been the mouth-to-mouth that saved me. She felt her forehead splotch. Probably should have used a less descriptive term. Brian did CPR first, Tiago said, and it didn't do any good. But then I prayed, and when I heard that voice, I knew you were going to live. I knew it. Nick smiled hesitantly. This Tiago the hero situation was spiraling out of control. It was bad enough that she had lied about him saving her. But to confirm his stories of God and miracle, only to score points? That was seriously messed up. Thanks for praying for me. Prayer works. Why did she feel like such a horrible person all of a sudden? Should she come clean? Could she tell him the truth? One look at his intensely fond gaze answered that question. She'd sooner eat a dead cat. Nix and Tiago found Jordan in the school parking lot, retelling his version of the hospital rescue to a small audience. It wasted no time getting around school that Tiago Padilla had restarted the fat girl's heart by making out with her. Some students seemed disgusted, others amazed. Many of the girls were clearly envious. Several freshmen cornered Nix in the bathroom after third period and begged her to tell them what it felt like, sparing no insignificant detail. The crier and Midlander male both did an article on the strange happenings at the hospital. Luckily, it didn't identify any of the minors involved, but it sounded like some utility safety inspectors were in hot water. Nix wasn't sure if she should feel guilty or not. It wasn't like she meant to short out the power. Hopefully none of the people on ventilators died, but they probably would have put that in the article. Loaf and Danny showed up to class, and although they didn't have any visible bruises, Nix thought they moved a little slower, favoring their midsection. She still wished the boys would have been formally punished for their cruelty, but it was Ms. Winkle's right not to press charges. At least they'd think twice about messing with a universally loved teacher. During lunch, Tiago reluctantly related Leo's plan to help Fawn grow up, Nix didn't see how they could do anything with Mr. Hainsworth in the house, but Sarah assured everyone he was an uncommonly sound sleeper. That said, Sarah also didn't think she could wait another 12-plus hours and kept suggesting they pull Fawn out of class and knock her around. Did Amy like Ella Enchanted? Nix asked on the walk home. Jordan shook his head. PlayStation has ruined her attention span. So your dad didn't hear about you breaking parole last night? Of course he did, Jordan said. He had like ten messages from me and the other officers when he turned his phone back on. But once I explained we were fighting crime, he calmed down. What must it be like? Nix wanted to tell Jordan about Tiago's personal miracle, but Nix would never forgive herself if Jordan teased Tiago about it. And let's be honest, when had Jordan ever not teased anyone given the opportunity? Jordan took a stick and used it to beat an ant-infested stump. Did you finish your country report? You even have to ask? I'm seriously failing half my classes. Nah, Jordan said. Winkle loves you, and anyway, she absolved Danny and Loaf of aggravated assault. I'm sure she'll forgive you a half-finished essay. Half-finished, if only. You think we should tell your dad about Loaf and Danny? Nix asked. Jordan flicked a carpenter ant off his stick. I already did. He doesn't think Danny and Loaf could have beat up a full-grown woman. 
And he also said if Ms. Winkle won't make a statement, there's not much the police can do. Can't Brian make a statement? Keep walking. I'm going to pee on the ants. Nix rolled her eyes, but obediently continued forward. Jordan, you're like seven years old. After Jordan used dirt to wash his hands, he caught up to Nix. Something's not right with Brian. Because he's attractive and charming and in the medical profession? Nixie, nobody says charming anymore. And the reason I don't like him is the way he leers at Sarah. I can't say charming, but you can say leers? Jordan clapped his dusty hands together, then spit dirt out of his mouth. Nix waved his dirty cloud back toward him. Anyway, I didn't notice him leering at her. Besides, he just admitted to manipulating her family. It's not like she'd choose Brian over Tiago. Unless Nix was very, very fortunate. Jordan cast a sidelong glance at Nix, as if about to ask a sensitive question. You should go for Leo. He's got that Padilla look, and he's single. Nix scoffed. Why are we even talking about this? I'm not going for anybody. A girl like me waits around to be gone at. It's easier than facing constant rejection. Who have you ever asked that shut you down? Can we talk about something else? Fine. When are we going to tell Tiago and Sarah about your ghost talent? Except for that. Jordan shot her a patronizing smile. What would you like to speak about, milady? I don't know. What's your favorite class besides home ec? That's like asking my favorite thing about the vice principal. Did you notice how he was watching us between classes? He totally knows we're up to something. Probably thinks we're planning another house fire. Did you ever tell your dad about McGuckin trying to strangle us? Jordan sighed. He thinks because McGuckin didn't make a mark and there were no other witnesses that perhaps the two teens suspected of arson shouldn't draw attention to themselves. He didn't say that. No, but that's what he would have said if I had told him. Nix hit him. You're an idiot. Careful, I'll tell Leo you're abusive. Nix slowed her pace a little. They were coming up on Jordan's neighborhood and she was not ready to be alone again. She wanted to tell Jordan every detail of her trip, how she somehow could make it cold and foggy and maybe even physically touch things, but then again, she wasn't really sure of what happened herself. Do you think I should practice going out before tonight? Jordan gave her a don't-be-stupid look. You didn't get enough practice yesterday? Nick slowed to applaud. Did you hear any of my messages? I was shouting at you the whole time. It seemed you picked up on some of it. I know I scared Tiago by making him think something was behind him. Jordan's eyes lit up. By the entrance! That was you? Awesome. I think I might have heard something before you came back, but it was all kind of intense at the hospital. If I followed your direction, it was totally subliminal. What's subliminal? That's your hiding brain, as opposed to your active brain. Yeah, I'm gonna pretend like I know what you're talking about. It's not that complicated, Jordan said. If you realize you're thinking about something, that's the conscious part of your brain. If you discover you've walked the entire way to your best friend's house without realizing it, your subconscious brain took over. I know what subconscious means. Why didn't you just say subconscious? You'll thank me when you take the SATs. I'm not taking the SATs. I'm going to be a hairstylist. Ah, so Leo will be the primary breadwinner. Nix put Jordan in a headlock and trudged toward his front door. Let me go! Let's ask your dad if you can help clean kitty poop off my baseboards. I'm grounded, he cried in a falsetto voice. I'm not supposed to have any fun! 
Sergeant Frost didn't catch Nix's vision of a bleach wash rag party and thus spared Jordan the torture. Nix spent a few hours at the pet cemetery, a ten-minute walk from Dibble's taco stand, but apart from a few cleverly shaped headstones, it wasn't as interesting as the real thing. Finally, she returned to the trailer. The door to her mother's bedroom was closed, and Nix had no intention of knocking. Since she didn't trust herself to lie down without falling asleep, Nix cleaned the baseboards, reorganized the fridge, and added a layer of duct tape to the blinds to keep out the cold air. Her shower was long and guilt-inducing. She would never be able to wash her hair again without hearing her mother's screams. She was braiding her hair when she heard the soft crunch of gravel under tires. She peeked out the plastic wrap window and saw Leo's car creep up to the trailer with its lights off. Leo, I only ask one favor, Nick said as she slid into the back seat with Tiago and Jordan. Try to keep it under 90 this time. Leo grinned maniacally, but for the most part, he stayed under the speed limit, which is why they arrived late to Sarah's. Leo pulled into the garage, and Sarah lowered the sliding door. Hurry, she said. Fun will be here any minute, and we aren't even in our costumes. Once inside, Jordan went straight to a large front window. I think we should post someone to watch the road. I'll do it, Leo said. What am I looking for? Jordan didn't pull his eyes from the street. Fawn drives a red truck, but also watch for a black Honda. If I was the paranoid type, I'd say it was following us. Why didn't you say anything? Leo asked. I just did. No one lives above us, Sarah said. So pretty much anyone on the road will be coming here. But the point is mute if we aren't ready when Fawn gets here. Exactly right, Jordan said. Let's get busy before the mute moot point becomes mooter. Nix and possibly Leo were the only ones that halfway understood Jordan's rambling vocabulary lesson. They were fitting Leo's costume when a pair of headlights illuminated the road. Phone's truck, Tiago called from the front window. I need new eye holes, Leo said. These are too far apart. Sarah ripped the costume off him. Just grab another sheet. The fabric scissors are by your foot. These sheets are like 800 thread count. We've got a whole closet full of them. Just cut the stupid eye holes and get upstairs. The truck light shut off and it quietly rolled to a stop. Sarah turned to Nix. Are you sure you don't want a sheet? I'm sure Jordan can do the truck thing on his own. Yeah, Jordan has some master plan that he says he needs me for. She's getting out, Tiago called while fumbling with his sheet. Santi, Leo said. Wait until you're in Sarah's room to put on your costume. You're going to fall down the stairs. Sarah turned off her flashlight, and everyone scrambled to get into position. Nix found Jordan behind some trees at the side of the house. Ready? he asked with a grin. I brought you an extra thick blanket so you could retain some of your residual body heat. What would I do without you? Nix lay down on the blanket and wrapped it around her. I hope Tiago doesn't look out here and see me lying on the ground. Nix had decided against telling Tiago about her abnormality for the time being. Not only would it cause a lot of complications at this point, but she'd have to admit she'd played Tiago for a fool and that he was wrong about angels answering his prayer. It wasn't a conversation Nix looked forward to. Jordan scoffed. No one will see you, and it will only take a minute to get down to Fawn's truck. I can't help but feel like this plan is needlessly complicated. Are you sure you're okay to carry me? Well, it will be more of a drag, but I think I can handle it. If you get time, you might come back and take a few steps on your own. Nix shushed him. Fawn was coming up the walk. Nix couldn't see much through the trees, 
but it looked as if Fawn was walking absurdly slow. Did she suspect an ambush? Maybe she'd found out Brian had spilled her secret. I'm confused about something, Nix whispered. Won't Fawn suspect Brian as soon as she finds out we were ready for her? Maybe she didn't tell Brian about her plan. How did he find out then? Jordan smeared dirt onto Nix's face. What are you- Corpses are dirty and gross. Not freshly killed corpses. Trust me, it'll be scarier, Jordan whispered. He massaged some pine needles into her hair. Okay, that's plenty, Nick said. She found her concerns were quickly outnumbering her reasons for going along with the scheme. Remind me again why I need to leave my body. Maximum creepiness, Jordan said. You gotta be whispering scary thoughts in her head, like you did Tiago. Also, keep me updated on what's happening inside. We may have to improvise, and make sure to come back in for a breath every once in a while. You can always do CPR to get my blood oxygenated, Nick said with a smirk. I wouldn't want to make Tiago jealous. It took Nix a second to stop grinning and relax enough to leave her body. Once she was out, she went into the front yard and floated next to Fawn. She put her hands to either side of Fawn's head, careful not to touch her ears, and rumbled. There's nothing to worry about. Everybody's asleep. Go straight to the front door. Whether her instructions were pointless or not, it gave Nix something to do and made her feel useful. Fawn clutched her purse and walked the remaining distance to the house. Sarah had gone to great lengths to make it spooky, turning off all the outside floodlights and leaving the front door ajar. Fawn seemed confused when the door swung open at her touch, but a few reassuring words from Nix seemed to ease her suspicions. Tiago, Fawn whispered into the darkness. Wait, why was Fawn calling for Tiago? Had she seen him at the window? A single nightlight illuminated the upstairs hall and part of the stairs. Nix was about to prod Fawn toward Sarah's room when a woman materialized next to Nix. Nix screamed. Fawn looked around as if she might have heard or at least felt something. Nix barely noticed. Her focus was directed at the twenty-something Native American woman staring directly at her. Why are you here? the woman asked. Her hair seemed to flow from her crown like a jet-black waterfall. Her clothes were brown and indistinct, as if out of focus, and her tan toes didn't quite reach the carpet. For a second, Nix forgot she wasn't in her body. Wait, you can see me? You shouldn't be here, the woman said. Go back. They're watching this place. Who? Fawn started toward the stairs. Neither of us are safe here, the woman said. I only came to look for... But my friends are here too. Are they in danger? Before the woman could answer, the air seemed to shudder. Panic filled her eyes. Go! The woman dissolved. Nix returned to the spot she'd left Jordan outside. Her body was gone. Jordan had to be dragging it through the foliage toward Fawn's truck. What are you looking for? Nix jumped. For someone with 360 vision, people seemed to have no trouble startling her. At first, Nix thought a tree had spoken to her, but a face emerged from the bark. Then a chest. The man looked like a figurehead of a ship. He seemed older than teens, but not by much. He wasn't attractive, exactly, but he had a very compelling face. The proportions seemed off slightly, as if he was a cartoon-turned-flesh. His lips looked almost childlike, and his eyes were a crescent shape Nix had never seen before, and the irises were iridescent and mesmerizing. "'Don't hurt me!' After the lady's warning, it was the only thing Nix could think to say. The man chuckled. 
My name is Billy. What's yours? He had a slight Eastern European accent. Billy? The rest of the man's body separated from the tree, and he put a hand to his stomach. Billy, as in belly laugh, belly dance, jelly Billy? Oh. Nix knew she should probably find her body and get back inside it, but she was fairly certain she'd no longer be able to see Belly, the creepy ghost, and she was curious. Belly drifted into the ground until he appeared to be buried up to his knees. Now Nix could look down at him. If he was trying to seem less threatening, it worked. I'm Nix. What were you looking for, Nick? Nix nearly told him, but the woman's warning still rang in her ears. Maybe a little caution would be prudent. Although he seemed harmless enough, what could a ghost do to her after all? The lady had been pretty freaked out and obviously thought a threat was nearby, but maybe Belly was just a passing spirit and didn't belong to the group that the woman warned against. Belly narrowed his eyes. Are you witches, Spawn? Well, my mom is not always the nicest person, but I wouldn't call her... You can't be unborn, Belly said with a grin. Your form is well established. Thank you? Post-mortem, then. But your presence is impressively strong. How long ago did you die? Pretty recently. And how did you manage to lose your escort? I should probably go, Nick said. I'm also looking for something. Maybe you can assist me. Well, I'm supposed to be inside. Doing what? Man, this guy was tenacious. There's this girl that was being mean to my friends. I was trying to scare her before you and that other ghost showed up. Which other ghost? Nick shrugged. She didn't tell me her name. She looked kind of Native American. Belly made a face like, beats me. It was nice to meet you, Nick said. She drifted toward the house, hoping the guy would get the picture. I can help you scare the girl. It's not that important. My friends are going to jump out and scare her anyway, so it's not like... The man blinked out of existence, then after a moment returned slightly to the left of where he had been. The dark-haired girl? She's holding a pair of scissors like she's ready to stab someone. I'd hate to think what might happen when your friends jump out at her. A black car appeared on the road and pulled to a stop a few feet from Fawn's truck. Nix wanted to see who it was, but Belly's warning about Fawn and the scissors was definitely more pressing. Nix returned to the dark house and found Fawn halfway up the stairs. She did indeed have the scissors held aloft like a murder weapon. Belly stood in the air between Fawn and Nix. You want me to scare her? Nix wanted to say yes. But what if the ghost turned out to be super evil and ended up turning Fawn inside out or something? I have something I could try, Nix said. She rubbed her hands inside each other until they began to heat up. Belly watched her with a mildly amused expression, but when wisps of fog began to flow from Nix's hands, Belly's expression changed. How are you doing that? Nix didn't know how to respond to that, so she kept rubbing. I've only done this once before. How did you die? Belly asked, but Nix was too focused on her task. As soon as her hands felt engulfed in flames, Nix oriented herself directly behind Fawn, and being careful not to touch any part of Fawn's body, grabbed the handle end of the scissors. The heat instantly flowed into the scissors, leaving Nix's hands cold once more. What are you... Belly fell silent as Fawn yanked the scissors forward out of Nix's grip. Fawn looked at the scissors, then above her head as if wondering what they'd gotten caught on. Belly cocked his head. Did you just... Nix stacked her slender arms in front of her, in stoic Native American style. 
She let the top forearm sink into the lower, then rolled them in tight circles like a mini cement mixer. The warmth rushed into Nick's more quickly. Fawn shivered. Moisture condensed around Nick's. The longer she rubbed her spirit arms together, the thicker the cloud grew. But it still wasn't as dense as it had been in the back of Leo's car. Maybe because it wasn't as humid inside the house? Truth be told, Nix was actually enjoying showing off for her ghost friend. Fawn's breath came out in a plume and her teeth began to chatter. Belly had a giant grin on his face and his multicolored irises seemed to glow in the darkness. Amazing. And you can interact with the physical. In answer, Nix grabbed the scissors and yanked. Fawn yelped and released the scissors, which flew from her hand, passed through Nix, and spun toward the entryway, where they stabbed Vice Principal McGuckin in the face.